Good evening. I want to welcome you this evening to our Bible study. I'm coming to you live this time from my home. Coming to you live from my home study. And I uh, want to welcome you this evening. Glad you've joined us for the Bible study. We're looking forward to a great time. This is Pastor Carl Francis from Living Word Open Bible Church. I'm looking forward to have so many of you join us. And uh, we're going to have a great time together. I hope your day has been a relatively good day. Uh, we want to thank God for keeping us through another day and give him praise and glory and honor. And uh, just thank him for his goodness. Uh, it's not everything that we want, but can I tell you, we give God thanks for it ever in, 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 in any event. He says, in everything, give thanks. And so that's what we're doing. We're giving thanks for everything. And even in spite of all that is happening, we give God thanks. So welcome this evening. I, I hope that uh, we're going to have a good time together. Uh, I want to begin. I know that it's challenging for so many of you. We've been praying for you. Uh, those of you that are on the front lines, we appreciate you. Thank you so much. It means a lot to all of us. And uh, some are, are worried. Some are have been laid off. Uh, some still have their jaws, but they're not sure where things are going to be. Uh, you know, it's just a lot of things that are happening. But I want to encourage your heart, first of all, this evening. And before I do that, I always want to open with a word of prayer. And so let's pray. And then uh, let's uh, look to the Lord and ask him to be with us in our time together. So join with me right now where you are. Father, we want to thank you for the privilege of coming to you like this. I want to thank you for the opportunity, God, to gather in this forum. And Lord, we thank you for every person that is watching us now, that is a part of this study right now, maybe in their home or wherever they are, they're part of this. And uh, Lord, I just ask for your Holy Spirit to be very present with us. Holy Spirit, you know the anxieties and, and some with fears and some wondering what's next or where things are going to be or what will happen? They're not certain. And there's so many questions, Lord, more questions than answers. But, Lord, we're so thankful that you have all the answers. Uh, we may have all the questions, but uh, praise God, you have all the answers. And so this evening, God, as we come together, we just ask you to be with us in a special way. Uh, we thank you for every person that, that is going to participate in this time together Bible study. We give you praise and glory for each and every one. And now have your way, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to shout you out, some of you that are on there, Margaret McLeod, Susan Angus, uh, all good to have you back again. Vanessa Dawkins and others, uh, just good to have you with us. Uh, we're glad that you're joining us. And I know many others will be joining us as well. And uh, we'll be able to shout out all of them one time. But I want to read a passage of scripture from Isaiah 43 for you. Because um, uh, I want you to take this personally. And, and it says, but now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. And what I want you to do is to put your name when he says, he who created you, O Jacob, put your name there. O Carl, O John, O Margaret, O Susan. Oh, Vanessa, he who formed you 
He says, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. Hallelujah. Did you hear that, Shireen? You've summoned you by name. You are mine, God says. And he says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, and we are going through some rivers time, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. So this evening, I want you to know that our God is still in control. And our God is on the throne. And he's sovereign. And he's ruler over the universe. And in spite of the fact that we may not understand all that is happening and why it is happening, but we do know that God is still in control. So be encouraged right now. Um, you know, the Bible says, be anxious for nothing. But in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. So, uh, you know, it's if you look at all that is happening on the outside, if you look at everything in the world, you can become anxious. But you got to stay your mind on him. You've got to be in the word. That's what's going to keep your mind. The Bible says he will keep them in perfect peace whose mind are stayed on him. So keep your focus on the Lord. Recognize that he's going to see you through this. It may be challenging. It may be difficult. You may be going through the waters or the river or through the fire, but you're going to come through, and God's going to take you through. So be encouraged right now and know that he's there with you. So we want to go on into our study, and um, this is going to be a beginning of a series because uh, we're going to begin to look at prophecy because it's the end time, you know, and... Uh, all that is happening, a lot of people have questions concerning the end time and what is happening. How does this fit in with what the Bible says? And uh, people want to be able to explain uh, to their friends when they ask them questions. Well, um, you want to get your, your pencil and paper or your pen, and uh, you want to take them some scriptures and make some notes, um, and you'll be able to go back after the study because it will be posted on Facebook Live. And uh, you'll be able to, to join us as well there and to be able to review what was said. So right now, I want you to understand some things about prophecy. Uh, one of the things that we learn is that prophecy is a, it's a light that helps us understand our world and live as lights in the darkness. Prophecy doesn't show us every insignificant rip in our world but it reveals to us the main current currents and trends. So what we see going on, the main things, it focuses on that. So let's ask a couple question that will help us to understand what we're talking about when we say prophecy. Why is religious apostasy on the rise? Why are there so many false teachers now in the world? Why are the main nations of the, uh, the main nations of Roman Empire coming back together? Why are there 
you know, so many things in the Middle East and Israel and the Middle East and the news, the focus. Why does the world seem to be moving toward a one world economy that can easily be controlled by one person with enough power? If we understand Bible prophecy, the answers to these questions become clearer and clearer. You know, in First Chronicles chapter 12 and verse 32, it says that in the days of King David, there were 200 men who were renowned men. They were from the tribe of Issachar. And they said from the tribe of Issachar, there were 200 leaders of the tribe with their relatives, men who knew the times, understood the times, and, and knew what course of action to take. Uh, prophecy helps us to understand the times and to help us to know what course of action we need to take today. Understanding what the Bible reveals about the last days helps us become modern men of Issachar. That's what we want to become, modern men of Issachar, who understand the times in which we are living and what's the best course of action for our life, our family, and our church to follow. So, uh, you know, we want to be able to look at prophecy from that point of view. Now, there are a couple of things that prophecy does for us that I want to share. First of all, prophecy reveals the sovereignty of God over time and history. It does. It reveals the sovereignty of God over time and history. Well, think about this. In order to accurately predict the future, one must be omniscient. They know everything. They must be omnipresent, be present everywhere. And they must be omnipotent, possess all power. Now, this is true of God. And so it is that when we look at prophecy, the God of the Bible issues a challenge to any would-be rivals to his place of supremacy in the universe. The basis of his challenge is that only the true God can accurately predict the future. Now read what God says about the ability to disclose the future. I want to give you a passage of scripture, maybe more than one. Uh, first of all, in Isaiah 41, 21 to 24. Isaiah 41, 21 to 24. Here's what it says. God is speaking. Can any idols make such claims as these? Let them come and show what they can do, says the Lord, the King of Israel. And here he continues. Let them try to tell us what happened long ago and what the future holds. Yes, that's it. If you are gods, tell what will occur in the days ahead. Or perform mighty miracle that will fill us with amazement and fear. Do something, whether good or bad. But no, you are less than nothing and can do nothing at all. Anyone who chooses you becomes filthy just like you. That's Isaiah 41, 21 to 24. And then in Isaiah 44, well, let's go Isaiah 42, 9 first. Everything God says, everything I prophesied has come true. And now I will prophesy again. I will tell you the future before it happens. That's what God does in his word. And uh, we have evidence of that. In uh, Isaiah 46, 6 to 8, this is what the Lord, Israel, King and Redeemer, 
the Lord Almighty says, I am the first and the last. There is no other God. Who else can tell you what is going on, what is going to happen in the days ahead? Who else can tell you what is going to happen in the days ahead? Let them tell you if they can, and thus prove their power. Let them do as I have done since ancient times. Do not tremble. Do not be afraid. Have I not proclaimed from ages past what my purposes are for you? You are my witnesses. Is there an, any other God? There is no other rock, not one. And so we could continue to talk to give more what God has been saying in his word regarding prophecy. Because it does reveal the sovereignty of God. Now, I want to let you know that Bible prophecy uh, proves beyond any shadow of doubt that God is the true God. Who alone rules over time and history. Why? Because... There are so many biblical prophecies that have already been fulfilled. I mean, I could go into several of them tonight, but I don't want to spend a lot of time there because I want to focus on some other things that I think is important for you to get. But I want you to know that uh, biblical prophecy is very clear in the word of God that he has uh, what he's done and, and what he has said, and it has come to pass. So. Now, broadly speaking, uh, there are three main evangelical views or systems or frameworks of biblical prophecy and about the end times. There is what is considered the amillennial view. There is the premillennial view, and there is the postmillennial view. Now, as you can see, in each of those words is the word millennial or millennium, which actually means a thousand. Now, the term comes from a Latin word, uh, or actually two Latin words, mille, thousand, and annus, year. Now, in the Bible, uh, the millennial kingdom is that phase of God's kingdom when Jesus Christ rules and reigns. Although the word itself never appears in the Bible, Revelation 20, 1 to 7, specifically states six times that the duration of this kingdom is 1,000 years. So I want to read for you Revelation 20, 1 to 7, because it was set something for you. It says, And I saw an angel coming down from out of heaven, having the key to the abyss, and holding his hand a great chain. He sees the dragon, an ancient serpent, who is the devil, or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss, and locked and sealed it over him, to keep him from deceiving the nations anymore until the thousand years were ended. And after that, he must be set free for a short time. So you see what the Bible says? This is to put him away so he doesn't deceive the nations anymore. 
which is what the devil is doing right now. He's deceiving the nations. He's deceiving so many people. He's deceiving families. And we, we don't want to be caught up in the deception. Let me continue verse 4. I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who have been beheaded because of their testimony for Jesus and because of the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ, listen to this, a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy are those who are part of the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him. Here comes again for a thousand years. So what we see here is that that millennial kingdom that the Bible is talking about there will be uh, for a thousand years. Now, what we want to do then is next is to really begin to explain to you these various uh, different ones that I talked about. The amillennial view and the, of course, of course, the, the other two that I talked about. I want to be able to share that with you this evening. So let's talk about, first of all, the amillennial view. This is the one that is uh, prevalent among Roman Catholics, uh, the Greek church, and there are some Protestant churches that also uh, use this as well. And um, amillennial, so that prefix a before millennium denotes a negation of the word which means no millennium so they don't believe that there will be any millennium so that's what it is that they that, that's, that's how they view it there will be no millennium so the amillennialists believe that christ's kingdom transpires in the present age that what they're saying is that right now we are in the kingdom of God, the millennium. We're, we're in that period of time. You know, the interesting thing is that while they're thinking that it is in that period of time, the present age equal millennial kingdom, they still say it's not a thousand years. Even though we know the word millennial means a thousand, they are saying that it's a period of time that we don't really know the length of. So, the amillennialists deny the reign of Christ will be a literal, physical kingdom on earth. Now, this is all going to make sense as I move on a little later. So stay with me here. Uh, I want to give you the three views together first. Then we're going to put it all together. So the amillennialists, they believe that right now uh, is, is, is the millennium period. That the present age that we're in is the millennium. And what they say is that there won't be a literal kingdom where Christ will come to earth. And there won't be a physical kingdom on earth. For the millennial, for the amillennialists, the reign of Christ is a present spiritual kingdom, you see, where Christ reigns over the church in the hearts of believers and in heaven over the souls of the redeemed. So that's what they believe. The amillennials. So they're thinking that 
right now we're in that period. Now, I want to go to the, um, I want to, before I get to what we believe, I want to talk about the post millennial group because they're the second, next group that I talk about. Now, the post millennial um, maintain that Jesus Christ will return to earth after, post, after the millennium. Consequently, the millennium is the entire period of time between the first coming of Christ and the second coming of Christ. So Christ returns in their view after the millennium is completed. Now, I want you to know that, so it's, it's going to come between the first coming and the second coming. Now, we're going to get to a point where we're going to clarify uh, the second coming as it relates to the rapture. So hang in there. We're not talking about that yet, but I will clarify that. So first of all, let's talk, let's not recap where we are. We said there are three primary views uh, in prophecy, really. The amillennialist view, the postmillennialist view, and then we're going to talk about the premillennialist view. So I gave you the amillennialist view, that is a spiritual kingdom that Christ will not come literally on earth for a thousand years, as we just read in, in Revelation 20. They don't believe that. That's not what's going to happen. They believe that we are right now in the millennium, that present time right now. And, and so that's what they believe, the amillennial. So there's no real, literal, physical kingdom on earth. Now, the post-millennium, millennialists, they believe that the that, that Christ will the millennium is Christ will return after the millennium. So, in other words, to them, he's going to come at the after the millennium. So, if the millennium for them, the, that the return of Christ for them is going to be at the end of the millennium period. So, in their view, we are right now uh, in a waiting period. All right, so now how about what we believe as, as, as open Bible people and also as uh, the majority of Protestants? We are premillennialists. And we premillennialists uh, really has this kind of a view. We believe uh, the second coming of Jesus Christ will occur before the millennium. Before the millennium kingdom. In other words, Christ returned to earth at the end of what we call a literal seven-year period of tribulation. So I'm going to give you the order in a few moments. So premillennialists hold that the millennial kingdom will be a literal, physical, earthly kingdom one that will last for 1,000 years, during which Christ will physically be on earth and will rule and reign over the earth from his throne in Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem has recently been made the capital of Israel. And what we're believing and what we're seeing is that that's a big, huge change that has happened. And so the Bible, from what we could interpret, that's where Jesus Christ is going to reign from and is going to rule from during 
the millennium. Now, according to this, to our premillennialist view, the kingdom will not be established by the conversion of souls over an extended period of time. In other words, towards the end, uh, you know, of the time there, there's going to be a rapid conversion of people. Now, and so I want you to understand that that's where we hold to. Now, I think it's important to understand if, from a premillennialist point of view, what are the order on God's prophetic timetable? What's the order of events? You'd want to, you would probably want to ask that question. Well, what we believe is this, and we're not the only ones. You know, majority of uh, Pentecostal churches, people that you hear on Moody, uh, you know, Chuck Swindle, uh, John MacArthur, um, a lot of the, the, the other theologians who hear, uh, you know, of course, um, Tony Evans and others, they, they hold to the same view as we do here. So uh, we're, 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 we're today, the premillennialist actually is in, the, is in the majority. And most people hold to that view. Now, what's the order of events? Well, first of all, what the Bible teaches that we see is that there will be an increase of apostasy as the church draws to a close. What does that mean? What we're seeing today. You know, there's a lot of churches that are on the decline because people are so caught up with their own affairs, their own business. They, there are many Christians who are so busy with their own affairs that they're not, you know, they probably go to church at Easter time, at Christmas time, you know, at those special occasional times. But they're so busy with other times with their work and their job and all the different things. And so there's a falling away. And then some get so caught up with the world that they really, their lifestyle does not reflect one as a Christian would want to live anymore. So, you know, there's going to be an increase in apostasy. And we're, we're actually seeing that too. And then the next thing that's going to happen, and this could happen at any moment, is the rapture of the church, the resurrection of dead saints, and the translation of living saints. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in a little while. So the rapture of the saints. And then after that, as soon as the rapture takes place, we believe that the tribulation begins. It will, be, it will last for seven years. Uh, the, the, the latter part of the tribulation the last three and a half years will be so horrible that we it is described as the Great Tribulation. Now, when you read Revelation, Revelation 6 to 19, what you're reading is what we think will take place and what we believe will take place during the Tribulation. And so at the end of the seven years, that's when we believe Christ will return, which is what we call the second coming of Christ on earth. He will return. He'll return with his saints. Now, by that time, the armies of the earth would have gathered. And there will be a battle or several battles called the campaign of Armageddon. 
when God gets the victory over all these armies, which he will, Christ will get the victory over all these armies, he will then establish the millennial reign. That's how the millennium will start. So as far as we're concerned, we, the believers, will not be here during the tribulation. We will not be going through the horrible things that you read about in Revelation 6 to Revelation 19. We believe that the church will be raptured, as we're going to see later on in 1 Thessalonians 4. We are believing that the church will be raptured, and we will be gone by that time. So um, that means that you and I, what we want to do is to prepare ourselves for that time. Now, the rapture will take place, and I want to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, the rapture itself. Because I gave you the, the order. I, I probably didn't finish all of what, take it all the way down. Because after the, at the end of the millennium, there will be the great white, right, the great white throne judgment. Um, you know, there's going to be those uh, that will be judged. The unbelievers will be judged then. And then there will be the creation of the new heaven and the new earth. And then we will go back, we'll go into eternity, where we'll spend eternity with God. And guess what? We'll be back to where we were pre the fall in Genesis. We'll be back to where we were then, where we were in a perfect union with God. We had great fellowship and relationship where we had bodies that were not affected by sickness or disease or decay, that's where we would be back again. And guess what? We will live with him forever. So that's what's going to, that's the kind of order of events. Now, um, I want to be able to talk to you about the rapture, which I mentioned. So let, let me get over there and, and try to begin to deal with the rapture. Now, that's the next great event on God's prophetic timetable. It's the rapture. Now, nothing needs to occur before the rapture takes place. In other words, we're not waiting for another sign or see something else in order to tell us that, oh, the rapture is coming now. Now that that has happened, the rapture is going to take place. No, the rapture can take place any moment now. Even before I speak the next word, the rapture could take place. Nothing leaves, there's nothing left on God's prophetic timetable to be fulfilled for the rapture to take place. What does that mean to you and I? It means that you and I had better be ready to go into rapture. Because my friend, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be left behind. I don't want to go through Revelation 6 to 19. I want you to take a read of it. And if you don't even read all of it tonight, I challenge you just to read four chapters. Revelation 6 through Revelation chapter 9. Just read that tonight and see what and hear and, and, and just think about 
you being alive on, on earth when that is taking place. It would make coronavirus look like something different. I got to tell you, as bad as this is, read Revelation 6 to 9, and you'll get a picture. The whole thing is Revelation 6 through 19. But if you don't get all the way there, you could read at least Revelation 6 to 9. I got to tell you, you will get to see what I'm talking about. Now, now, whenever we talk about the rapture, listen carefully. Somebody may say, well, I don't see the word rapture in the Bible. That is absolutely true. The word rapture is not in the Bible. But if you go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 with me, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 with me, and verse 17, it says, After that, we were still alive and our left will be caught up. Will be caught up. Well, the Greek translation for that phrase caught up is the Greek word rapturo. Rapturo. That's the Greek word for that phrase. And hence we get our English word from that Greek word, rapturo, rapture. So that's why we say the rapture, even though you don't see that word in the Bible, it because it's come from the Greek word because of the phrase caught up. Now, there are three main passages in the scripture that deals with the rapture. You may want to write this down. There are three main passages in the scripture. That deal with the rapture. Good to see Sister Doreen checking in. Uh, you glad to see you're doing better to check in. Praise God. John chapter 14, 1 to 3, is the is one of those passages that deal with the rapture. Remember when Jesus says, Do not be troubled, don't let your heart be troubled to believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you so, and I've gone to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place, I will come again and receive you, to receive you, receive you. That's it. The receiving of you, that where I am, there you may be also. That's the rapture. And then also in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul says, let me tell you a wonderful secret God has revealed to us. Not all of us will die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. What is Paul talking about when he says that not all of us will die, but we'll all be changed? What is he talking about? Well, if you go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, I want to read what he says here in verse 13 and just a few more verses. It says, brothers... We do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep. You know, the Bible talks about the believer as, it refers to the believer's death as falling asleep. Because, hey, they're fully alive. Their spirit is alive as ever before. Or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. Verse 14. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus, listen to this, God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. 
So those who have fallen asleep already, when Jesus comes back with the rapture, he will bring the souls of those who have fallen asleep. He'll bring their souls with him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who, we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not perceive those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. The dead in Christ will rise first. Look at this. After that, we, Paul says, and Paul used the word we because he thought that it was coming in his lifetime. He expected the rapture was so imminent that he felt it would have taken place in his lifetime. Is a reason why Paul used the word we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Now, 1 Corinthians 15 it will tell us that we will, not all of us will die. That's what Paul means. Not all of us will die, but we'll all be transformed. So when the rapture occurs, there will be people alive. It could be our time, it could be after our time, but there will be people alive. Christians will be alive when the rapture occurs. And what will happen is the dead in Christ, they, because Christ is going to come back with their souls, their spirit, their bodies will be resurrected. And only God can do that, my friend. Because all those cremated bodies that have been thrown into the sea, because the Bible tells us in Revelation that the sea shall give up the dead. Did you hear that? And so no matter where the bodies are, God is going to bring back that body and give it a new body. Remember the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, this corruptible shall gain incorruption, this mortal shall gain immortality. That's what it's talking about. And so the body, the dead in Christ will rise first. They'll get their new bodies. Now their bodies will be different from ours at that time. And what will happen? We will be changed immediately, Paul says, in the twinkling of an eye. It will happen in a moment, Paul says, in the blinking of an eye. Just blink your eye and how fast that is. That's how fast we will change. So what will happen? We, the, those people that are alive at the time of the rapture, they will bodies will be changed so that their bodies will be immortal, just like the bodies of the ones who were the dead in Christ just got their immortal bodies as well. So we both have immortal bodies. Those the dead in Christ who rose from the dead got their immortal bodies. Those that are alive got their immortal bodies. And together, the Bible says, what a, what a God of equality. He doesn't make one go ahead of the other. He doesn't make one go ahead of the other. He says, together, we will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. Now, that's a big difference between the rapture and the second coming. Right there, you get a big key about that. The Bible says, we will meet the Lord in the air. When I get to second coming, 
you're going to see that in the second coming, Christ is actually going to come on terra firma. He's actually going to come on earth. His feet is going to touch the earth. In the rapture, his feet will not touch the earth. He will be in the air. And we will be caught up to meet him in the air. All right. Now, now you know, so Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians 15. We said it's also in John chapter 14. And then, of course, you know, we just read it's also in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Now, a couple of things about the rapture that we want to say. At the outset, we want to talk about the, the, the realization. The realization is that Paul says he wants us to understand the rapture. He says, no, brethren. He says, brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant. That's a lack of knowledge. Ignorant about those who have fallen asleep. He says, I want you to know the truth. I want you to know what's happening. He says, the Lord wants every believer to know the truth about the rapture. And so he says, I don't want you to be ignorant. And the first thing the Lord wants us to realize about the rapture is that our believing loved ones who have passed away will not miss out on this event. In fact, they will rise first. And so when Jesus comes, he will bring the perfected spirits of the departed believers with him. Wherever you have as relatives that have been departed or friends of Christians who have been gone, they're coming back with Christ at the time of the rapture. When believers pass away, it is not goodbye. It is more like good night, which is why the Bible says those who have fallen asleep will see them again at the rapture. So, so that's a realization. Then I want to talk about the revelation. Paul says in this passage, he says, for the he says, according to the Lord's own word. So Paul is trying to tell us, this is not my I didn't make this up. This is what God said. These are the things that will happen. The commandment is what will he gave from the Lord. Now, and then he says. So then we have the realization. We have also the uh, the revelation. And then we want to look at the return. At the rapture, the Lord himself will come again in the clouds. And he will return accompanied by three things. A commanding shout, a loud command. And then with the voice of of the archangel, the call of the archangel. And some people believe that only the believers will hear that sound. And the trumpet call of God. So three things are going to happen. There will be a loud shout. And I think that that shout would be like when, you remember when Jesus was at the grave of Lazarus? And he called, Lazarus, come forth. I, I, I think that's what's happening. Is that He's shouting and he's calling all the dead believers who have fallen asleep to come alive. And then there is the trump, then there is the, the voice of the archangel. And then a trumpet 
call of God. And every one of them will rise, the dead in Christ. And then we that are alive and remain will be changed, will be converted, will have a different body. Now, my brothers and friends, think about this. My brothers and sisters, my friends, imagine that that could happen tonight. I want you to think about it. That could take place tonight. And so the question we must all ask ourselves all the time, we must be rapture ready. We need to be rapture ready. Your friends need to be rapture ready. Your relatives need to be rapture ready. But more important, you need to be rapture ready. I need to be rapture ready. We need to make sure that we are ready to go with him. Could be any time. Hey. And so, you know, we may be worried about the coronavirus, yes. We may be worried about many other things. But who knows? Who knows when he's coming? Who knows he may come before the whole thing is over? And he may come after the whole thing is over. We have no idea. The Bible says no man knows, not even the Son of Man. Jesus says, only God the Father has that information. The angels don't know. Jesus didn't know. You and I don't know. That's why we have to be ready. It could be any moment. So we talk about the realization, the revelation, the return, the resurrection. When Christ comes down from heaven, we said the first thing that will happen is the body deceives believers. They'll be resurrected. And then, of course, the removal. All of us will go up to be with Christ, and then there will be a reunion. The dead in Christ and the living saints will all be raptured together and meet the Lord in the air. What a glorious reunion of all the saints of the church age meet with the Savior. Wow. My friends, it's going to be something. It's going to be something. And so you and I need to prepare for that. We need to be ready for that. Now, one of the big questions is, some people have asked, is we talked about the fact that the at the end of the, right as soon as the rapture takes place, the tribulation will start. Now, there have been lots of arguments about that, in that will the church go through any or all of the tribulation before the rapture occurs? Now, you know that we talked about that we don't believe that. Um, that's not how we see it. But there are several views out there regarding that. And I want to just give you a quick thing about that, because so you are... I want you to be educated and to have an information. And this is what is called. So, so what they have is there are five views out there regarding the rapture and the tribulation. There is the pre-tribulation rapture, which is where we believe. The rapture will occur before the tribulation period begins. 
Then there are those who call mid-tribulation, mid-trib, mid-trib rapture. They believe that the rapture will take place in the middle of the tribulation, which is right before the great tribulation, before the real terrible things begin to occur. But they believe that the believers will go through some of the difficulty in the first part of the tribulation. That's the mid-trib people. Then thirdly, there is the post-trib people, post-tribulation rapture. The rapture, they believe, will occur at the end of the tribulation, which means that the believers will go through the tribulation. Um, you know, that's going to be rough if the believers had to go through the tribulation. Thank God. Uh, not many people will stand believe this, but, but there are those who believe it. And then there is the partial rapture. Some people believe that, you know, a halfway through, the, 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 the whole tribulation, the rapture will occur again it's at some portion. They're not sure whether it's the mid or three quarters of the way or whatever, but there's at some portion, there's going to be a, a, a partial rapture, actually, where some people will be taken. In other words, what they believe is this, with the partial rapture, is that the devoted believers, the devoted believers will be raptured before the tribulation. But the believers who are not devoted will go through the tribulation. Now that's how some people believe. Now, we don't believe that, but I want you to be aware that there are those who believe that. And then finally, the fifth one is the pre-wrath rapture. In other words, the rapture will occur about three-fifths of the way into the tribulation. Well, you know, we thank God that that's not where we stand. We, we, we really stand and we have reasons to believe why we believe that we're not going through the tribulation. I want to talk about that next time with you to explain why we're not going through the tribulation. So let's do a, look, a little quick uh, what we talked about today in terms of laying the foundation. We, we, we talked about the importance that of prophecy, that prophecy really reinforces the sovereignty of God, that he rules over everything. Because only God can accurately predict the future. And the reason why we believe in prophecy is because every prophecy that has in the past, all the prophecies in the past have been that have been fulfilled has been fulfilled exactly as it was prophesied. In other words, the Bible contains many prophecies, and several of those have already been fulfilled. Many of them related to Jesus Christ. For instance, 800 years before Christ was born, Isaiah predicted about when Christ would be born, where he would be born. Micah predicted where he would be born. In Bethlehem, and 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 they predicted that he would ride on a donkey on, on, on just before his death. They predicted how he would die. It took place exactly as they did, hundreds of years before he came. The Bible predicted exactly how Jesus would come, where he would be born, how he would be born. He'd be born to a virgin. Nobody's ever heard of that before. Yet it occurred exactly. 
That's why we believe in prophecy. It validates the word of God. It tells us that God is truly who he says he is. And then, of course, prophecy helps us to order our lives today in the light of what we learn from the scriptures. It helps us to be clear about how to live our life. For instance, we know now that we shouldn't fool around. We know now that we better be rapture ready and not be playing around. You don't want to be left behind. And as again I said to you, I want to challenge you. Go read tonight Revelation 6 to 9. Just those four chapters. And you will see that you don't want to go through that. You want to be rapture ready. So then we believe that the rapture will take place. We are, then we talked about there are three main theological or evangelical viewpoints concerning uh, prophecy. A millennialist who does not believe in a millennium, a literal reign of Christ on earth for a thousand years. The post-millennialist that believe the millennial will take place after the return of after the return of Christ. You know, that's what they that's what they believe. And then, of course, we the pre-millennialists that believe that. The rapture will take place before the millennium. All right. And then we talked about the word rapture not being in the Bible. But we get that from the phrase in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17, that says caught up. And the Greek word rapturo, where we get to our English word rapture. So if somebody says to you, I don't see the word rapture in the Bible. Well, now you know. You can give them the Greek word, rapturo. And you know some Greek now, rapturo. And because you know rapturo as the Greek word for rapture, that's where we get the, for caught up, for the phrase caught up. That's how we get English word rapture. So that's a good thing for you to know. And so we're saying that as premillennialists, the rapture is going to take place before the millennium. And we talked about the order. And we said what will happen is there'll be a falling away from the church first. So when you see believers or people get in cold spiritually, they're not so much with a zeal for God and a passion for God. They're drifting from churches. They're falling away. You see people leaving church and you don't see them in church anymore. And they're not, they're not serving God anymore. And they're turning away from God. That's called an apostasy. There's a falling away. The Bible says that's going to take place in the last days before the rapture occurs. It's going to be, you're going to see some signs like that. We've seen those already. We've seen those already. So we now know there's nothing left before the rapture occurs. In other words, it can happen any moment. And remember, the Apostle Paul thought it was going to take place in his time. So he said, remember when the rapture happens? Jesus is going to come in the air. He will have a loud shout. There will be the voice of the archangel. There will be the trumpet of God. And what's going to happen next? The dead in Christ will rise first. What does that mean? The bodies will be resurrected. And Jesus, when he comes back in the rapture, is bringing their redeemed spirits with him. And those redeemed spirits will connect 
with their newly resurrected bodies, which will be immortal. And then what is going to happen to the existing believers at that time? Their bodies will be changed and they will now get their immortal bodies. And 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that we will not all die, but we will all be changed. And 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that it's going to take place in the twinkling of an eye. As you blink, we're going to change those who are alive, and they will get their immortal body. And then now the dead in Christ who have their immortal body, and the new and the believers who are living get their mortal body. Together, we're going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And what's going to happen? He's going to take us to heaven with him. And what we're going to do after that is what we're going to tell you about next week. So we would have missed. Because as soon as the rapture takes place, the tribulation starts. Seven years of major, major, major crisis on earth. I mean, at one point, the Bible says one third of the population of the earth will die. Now, friends, in the coronavirus, we have two million plus infected worldwide. Two million infected. Not two million dead, two million infected. When when in the in the tribulation in the first part, one third of the population will die. In other words, if it place today, the world population is approximately seven billion people. In other words, my friend, over two billion people will die. Billions. So you understand what we're talking about. You need to read it before you go to bed tonight. Revelation 3, Revelation Revelation 6 to 9. You need to read it. It will give you an understanding. And so we are believing that we are going to be raptured before the tribulation starts. Now, after the seven and a half, seven years, the latter three and a half years, the worst. And after that, what's going to happen is that Christ will return. The earth will have gathered an army to fight against Israel and the people of God. And we're not even talking about during the tribulation about the mark of the beast. We're going to get into that later on because we're not even talking about those things yet. We're just giving you some order. And then there'll be a there'll be a campaign call of Armageddon. At the end of Armageddon, God would have won the battle, of course. And then he starts the millennial kingdom on earth for 1,000 years where he's reigning literally from Jerusalem as the capital of the world. And we'll have one world government, one ruler, Jesus Christ, King of kings, Lord of lords, hallelujah. And can I tell you, the Bible talks about that. It tells us that in that time, the lion will lay down with the lamb. And the scorpion, the baby will play with scorpion. The baby will play with snakes because they will be, there will be no, it will not be deadly anymore. Because in the millennium, 
it'll be peace harmony neighbors that are not getting to get, not getting along right now if you better get right so that you can make it into that period um, brethren needs to get right families need to work together so because guess what in the millennium we're all going to live in peace we're going to have our own fruit trees that will be into joy oh my friend yes I will have my own Julie Mango tree. <laughs> I'll share some with you. Because <laughs> uh, uh, I'll be a kind neighbor. Uh, because, you know, in that time, we'll be kind. And uh, we'll be generous. Won't be like some people that say, you know, I prefer me. So give me, give me, give me your mango. Because you're supposed to prefer me above yourself. No, no, no. At that point, we'll have enough. Everybody will have your own tree. We'll be happy. And what a wonderful joy it will be. So that's going to be during the millennium. And then at the end of the millennium is going to be the great white throne judgment where the unbelievers will be judged. Then God is going to make a new heaven and a new earth. The unbelievers, the, those people who did not receive Christ, will go off in eternity without Christ into a place that is reserved for the devil and his angels and unbelievers who never receive Christ would go there and I don't like you don't like to hear the word but it is hell and the rest of us will be in the new heaven and we will enjoy God forever forever in his presence there'll be fullness of joy and his right hand there'll be pleasures forevermore so next week what we want to do is that we want to get into um some aspects of the tribulation because we've talked about the rapture now we want to pick up when the rapture goes two things we're going to look at when we are raptured with christ to heaven what are we doing then what happens then when we go to heaven and secondly what is happening on earth while we are in heaven so we're going to look at those things. So you want to tell your friends and be ready for that at that time. If you have questions, you can send them uh, to us, and I uh, will pick those up. You can post them on Facebook, and I'll pick them up, and uh, we'll answer some of those specific questions for you next time as well. So good to see so many of you uh, checking in. Pastor Brown, Menage. Uh, there's a lot. Monica Gordon Lake, good to see you. Praise God. Many checking in. Um, there's so many of you, different ones. We're glad to have you as a part of this. I want to thank those of you that uh, have continued to support the ministry. Uh, continue to support us. We appreciate that. Uh, we've been at the church at different times. The, the office is open. Uh, you have needs. You can call your brethren. We want to take care of you. Uh, you want to touch base with the office. If you have a situation, call the church office. We'll, we'll work with you. Um, or you call your family captain. Uh, that's as well. That's also good. Um, you can do that as well. Uh, Maxine Castles, good to see you. Robert Lee, good to see you. Valerie Houghton, good to see you. Becca, good to see you, Becca. I see where you're there. And some of these other young people that are on there. Anaje, always there. Geneva, good to see you there. 
Good to see you, Geneva. Glad you're on. Uh, you're getting high tech, Geneva. You're on Facebook now. Wonderful. Praise God. And uh, so many of you, it's good to have you with us. And uh, go to lwobc.org and you can contribute. lwobc.org and you can click on giving and you can contribute uh, your tithes and offering or donation, as the case may be. Um, we thank God for each of Sister Valda, good to see you. Pray you're feeling better. We're praying. Um, we're going to be praying for many after this. And want to thank all of you that are frontline workers. We really appreciate you. I mean, tell you, I think all of us, let's give them a hand. Come on. I always, I never want to leave without giving a hand to our frontline workers. They are tremendous. Not just those in the hospital, but, you know, somebody said, which I think is important, if everybody who has a job is an essential worker. I like that. Everybody who has a job is essential worker. And so we thank all essential workers because we're discovering more than ever before that no matter what work you do, it is essential. It helps us to get by. It helps us to get along. So we thank God for all of you, and uh, we give God praise for you. And uh, we just want to continue to lift you up in prayer and to believe God and to be strong. Now, I want to. I never want to leave without a worship song and encourage you this uh, today. And it's a song by Don Moen. And uh, you can join with me and sing it to me. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. He works in ways we cannot see. He will make a way for me. He will be my guide. Hold me closely by his side. With love and strength for each new day. He will make a way. He will make a way. But somebody else. God will make a way. Where there seems to be no way. He works in ways. We cannot see. He will make a way for me. He will be my guide. Hold me closely to his side. With love and strength for each new day. He will make a way. He will make a way. Oh, hallelujah. My friend, he will make a way. Claudine Lewis, it's good to see you. Sister Claudine, Sister Dumas, good to see you. Sister Danvers, Paulette Hunter, all of you, good to have you with us. Shouting you out. Praise God. We have, of course, know that Joan from Jamaica is on. Nicole out in Texas, good to have you with us. Sister Carmenta. Brittany, hello, Brittany. Thank you for it. Uh, Chris is with Chris Ray. Hey, Chris. I'm glad you're on, my friend. We miss you. Good to have you. Uh, Kay Lawton. Oh, Rose. Wow, good to have you with us. Prudence. Sister Prudence, good to have you with us. Uh, we thank God for you. And Deandra, thank you for the great work. I appreciate what you did. Uh, thank you so much. You young people, they're doing a great job. Can I tell you? They're working with us with uh, 
Instagram, and you're going to see a lot more of lots of things coming uh, on Instagram. Brother Andre working with them as well. Thank you. And, uh, and so forth. We appreciate what they're doing. Um, so, Jennifer Bernier, good to have you with us. Tamara Quest, thank you. Thank you, Sister Tamara, for all that you're doing for helping others. We appreciate that. Uh, thank God for all of you. We appreciate all that you're doing. Praise the Lord. All right. Well, um, you know, we're at that point where we want to pray uh, for those who are suffering. I want to pray for protection for frontline workers. I want to pray for those who are impacted by the virus. And we want to pray for our leaders, that God would give them wisdom. My friend, as they talk about opening up, uh, we want to be able to be guided by wisdom, that they'll make the right decision. So uh, join with me in prayer right now. As we pray for frontline workers, and we pray for those who are sick with the virus, those who are grieving the loss of loved ones. Uh, and, uh, you know, and for our leaders, that God would give them wisdom to make the right decision. Our Father and our God, we're so thankful that you are the great and awesome God. And there is none beside you. And there is none like unto you. You are God and you are God alone. And there is nothing impossible with you, God. And nothing is too difficult for you. But I want to thank you for the bravery of the frontline workers. We thank you for every one of them. We ask your covering for them. Cover them in, under the blood. Protect them from contracting the virus. Give them strength. Lord, for those who were the frontline workers who contracted it because they were so dedicated, I pray for them right now in the name of Jesus that your healing virtue would flow from your body to theirs, from the crown of their head to the sole of their feet. Be made whole. Jesus Christ of Nazareth makes you whole now. Lord, I pray, touch them right now, God, and restore their health. Or oh, they were doing the best. They were trying to help others. And they put themselves in harm's danger to help someone else and now is impacted by the virus. I pray for their full and complete and speedy recovery. I pray for others who are not feeling well right now. I ask you in the name of Jesus for your healing touch. Lord, for those who are grieving the loss of loved ones, to comfort, to strengthen. My God, they're not even there to be with their loved one. They're not there to hold their hands. They're not there to give a comfort, a, a word of chair. They, 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 oh God, only you understand what they feel. I pray this evening that you would strengthen them and comfort them. Holy Spirit, you are the great comforter. May they know that you are right there with them. May they feel your very presence. Lord, we pray, God, for our leaders as they make decisions. Give them wisdom to make the right decision as they consider reopening the economy. Lord, I pray may they be guided by the scientists. May they be have the proper balance. Lord, may they use divine wisdom. Holy Spirit, speak to them, we pray, that they would do the right things, apply the right process, and Lord, so that we would be safe. And so, Lord, we thank you for what you're doing 
and what your will do as we put them all in your hands. We thank you for every person watching right now, for every home represented. We ask your covering under the blood of Jesus. Let every home be under the blood of Jesus. Let no plague come near their dwelling, O oh God. And I ask you in Jesus' name to watch over them. Oh, we thank you for what you're doing. We give her the praise. We give her the glory. We give her the honor. And now I want you to know that God is right there with you. For that one that is discouraged, for that one that is afraid, for that one that is alone, you're not alone. The Holy Spirit is there. He's the great comforter. He's there with you. He's strengthened. Be encouraged. Jesus Christ is right there with you. He is only a prayer away. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to remind you about a couple of things that's coming up. Of course, uh, tomorrow is Wednesday. We have a WANA for the children. You want your children to connect with a WANA. Uh, and then, of course, on Thursday, the youth. We have the middle schoolers at 7 and the high schoolers at 7.45. Friday is prayer at 8. And, of course, the same number you use to connect for prayer. And Friday pass is the same number again. Just connect with prayer. And then Sunday is going to be communion. I want you to be ready for communion on Sunday. We're going to be having a communion service. It's first Sunday in May. And uh, we'll have communion. So I want to encourage you to prepare for that as we will gather together and sit around the Lord's table. And we're going to talk about, praise God, uh, you know, what it means and what he's done for us. I want to thank you for all of you shouting out. Thank you for that. <laughs> we give you praise, God. Joan, good to hear, see you. Thank you. Bless you, Joan. And we're praying for Jamaica. We're praying that everything will go well over there. We believe in God. And Susan Rambasat, good to see you. Praise God. And Lorraine Summons, good to have you with us. And so many different ones of you. We thank you. We're shouting you out. Um, shouting you out. Uh, I, I just want you to know that we are so thankful. Sister Maxine, Dylan, good to have you with us. Glad you are with us. Glad you were able to join us. Praise God. And uh, I pray that we've been praying for Sean. I pray with him the other day and thank God that he's safe. And so forth. Now, brethren, um, one of the things that we're also going to be doing is that we're going to talk about some economic things too, because I think that some people uh, need to understand what's what's happening and where things are going. Um, if you, if a lot of you remember, and Sister uh, Sister Edwards reminded me, and that in it was August 25th last year that I told you that I sensed that there was a recession coming in 2021. Well, the recession, we, 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 we haven't really hit the recession. They haven't called it that yet. But it looked like it's going to be coming in the fall of this year. And it certainly is going to be in 2021. And we want to talk about how to do that how do we handle that the economy the economic situation what are some of the things we can help you with i want to let you know some of you that uh 
if you have mortgages or credit card bills, you can reach out to your companies. They will make concessions today. Uh, they'll help you with deferments. So you may want to do that. They don't, just don't get panicky. Uh, call and ask. The Bible says we have not because we ask not. So I want to encourage you, whoever you're owing or whatever you're owing, uh, get them a call. The banks, the mortgage companies, the insurance companies, by the way, are also giving you a break. If you call them and you tell you, you're not driving to work anymore, and they used to charge you for that. So, uh, you know, you're not driving as much. And so you, you can get a break on the insurance rate as well. Every little bit adds up. And so wherever you can get a break, you, you go get the break. So I want to encourage you to do that. Um, so we're going to talk about some economic things as well. Uh, those of you with your 401ks and 403bs, uh, if you're struggling, um, the government has made it possible that you can borrow from your from your retirement account. And um, you won't have to, they won't charge you the penalty, even though you're less than 59 and a half years old. They won't charge you the penalty. And you get a deferment. Uh, you get a deferment in the payment for a year. So, um, you know, and they will, uh, and so that's possible for you to be able to, if you're struggling financially, uh, you need to do that. If there's another way you don't want to take from your retirement account, because you want when the stock market goes back up, your retirement account goes up. But in the meantime, if that's the way you can deal with it, if that's your situation, you want to be able to do that. They'll charge you the taxes. They won't charge you the penalty. They'll tax it. But here's the good news. They have three years to pay back the taxes. So they're trying. They're, giving you, they're trying to work with you. They're trying to work with different things. Um, we're praying that another stimulus check will come. Um, we're praying for that. Um, we don't know, um, but they're talking about it, but we don't know. Um, but we are believing God for some good things. But I want to know, I want to tell you one thing. Um, God looks after his people. And you need to know who you are in Christ. And David said, I have been young. And now I'm old, and I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. So, my friend, stay right with God. What does, what does Matthew 6, 33 says? Seek first the kingdom of God, which is the rule of God over your life, and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need that's our god and when you stick with him you can't go wrong because the lord is my shepherd i shall not want and brethren we're there to help one another we're there to take care of one another the church is going to come alive like the early church, where whatever we possess, we think about it as belonging to all of us. And we are willing to share and to help each other. So we're here together. We're in this thing together. We're going to make it together. And we have God on our side. 
And if God is for us, who can be against us? Praise God. We love you all. Chris, I saw that we missed your call. I miss you, my friend. We love you all. And uh, we continue to pray for you. And uh, we're looking forward to some good times together. Don't miss next Tuesday. We are going to continue with the, the with what we started. And we're going to talk more. What happens when we're raptured? When we get back to heaven, what's going to take place then? And what's going to happen on earth while we're in heaven? Let's pray. I'm going to bless you as we go. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. As together we say, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. We love you. We give God praise to each one of you. And we keep singing. I'll sing praises to your name. Oh, Lord, praises to your name. Oh, Lord, for your name is great and greatly to be praised. I'll sing praises to your name. Oh, Lord, praise to your name. Oh, Lord, for your name is great and greatly to be praised. Praise the Lord. God bless you. And we love you. And have a blessed evening in the name of the Lord. Until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, stay under the blood, and you're going to be all right. God bless you all. Thank you for joining us.